When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Chills. Here we are, another week of blue mayhem. Oh, it's all been such fun and games. I tell you, I'm exhausted and we haven't even got anywhere yet. Hopefully, though, we're going to find out some things over the next next few days, next week. Who knows? It's all supposition. And a man who doesn't like to supposit, I don't know what it is, actually. Uh, a man who is not a man of supposition is Mr. Andy Saunders. Hello, if Andy. only the listeners knew how much buggering about went on before we started this podcast. Honestly. <laughs> Wait, Honestly. Oh, uh, it's true. Introduce, it's... You, introduce your next guest to just, you know, just to... Just to you know, buggering? The, I wish I was there. Put for the that. focus on the buggering about. Ah, yes. And here he is, the man who puts... The about in buggering about. It's Mr. <laughs> Gary buggering about Hayes. Hello, Gary. In, in dog. Uh, hello. Hey, hey. <laughs> all, all right. Thank you. Now, sorry, I was just walking the dog. I was chatting to my friend Cam Roder. Okay. To him about walking the dog and whatnot. I, yeah. I have no I mean, idea what you're talking What about. we have to put up with, you know, it's. Yeah. Fifteen minutes of absolute nonsense before we even get to this bit. It's true, Andy. And and does it? Does, do you find Gary wearing? <laughs> Lucky, I got my camera off because you want to know what I'm wearing. No, we definitely, really, really, really definitely, don't. definitely wearing. <laughs> so, Andy, how's your week been? Have you managed to? Because when I said you don't like supposition, because we were talking Sorry. just so the the listeners uh, know we. We were talking um, before uh, we started about whether we should do an extra podcast next week because it's international break and we usually always take a break. And Andy, you said you don't like supposition. You you would rather we would do one if, say, we had new owners, but all we're going to be doing is guessing next week. You, you don't like things if it's not cut and dry, do you? Listen, I just think it would be a bit like transfer rumours. I don't like, you know, I, I try to avoid the transfer rumour thing because you can just end up going down so many rabbit holes on transfer rumours about this player might be coming, this player might be leaving and so-and-so says this and he's nailed on. and It's just a load of nonsense and it's just a headspace that I'd rather use for something else. And at the moment, I'm slightly bored and irritated by all of the swirling speculation about who may or may not be our new owner you know what terrible military hunter or human rights abusing trump supporting billionaire might be our next owner i'd rather to be honest just wait concentrate on the football concentrate on the players and let the process take its course and discuss 
whoever the new owner is when they're standing on the pitch holding a Chelsea shirt. Excellent. That's well, the next the next segment of the pod you're going to love because we're going to have a look at the owners, potential owners, but maybe maybe we won't. Who knows? Gary, Gary, do you like supposition? Do you like guessing what may happen about things? Or do you prefer to just deal in straight, hard, cold facts? Facts, please. Like Rafa Benitez. Ah, oh, well, there you go. And I'm, I'm with Andy, but... At the same time, because it's it's not felt like transfer rumour mill with this because it's so important. So I have paid more attention to this than I would normally. But I agree with Andy, it is very tiring. And then it's also tiring reading all the BS that surrounds it as well. So I'm keeping on top of it, but it's a very depressing situation. And you've always loved it, Kerry. You've always loved a bit of news now on Chelsea, every refresh, every five minutes. Quite right. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I like I, mean, I, I like get it. I mean, it's, out. you know, it, 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 titillation, supposition, rumour. I, I kind of get it. I just think in this instance, I'm, 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 it's such an important thing that you can waste so much energy, as I say, and I said it about transferring, going down rabbit holes and saying what might or might not be. And I just don't know enough about it. I don't think any of us know enough about what's going on behind closed doors, who these consortiums are. What I've got very fixed opinions on some of the people. I've worked with some of the people and I've made my opinions very clear on social media. But, you know, I just feel now is a nice time to take a break, to take a reset, watch our players play in their international games come back, prepare for the Brentford game and, and, and for the rest of the season. Hopefully by then we'll have some idea of who the new owners are or we will know who the new owners are. We can all buy tickets again, get on with supporting our football club. Do you think, Andy, just one point out of that that I think is quite intriguing is that on the whole, so far, the serious bidders seem to have to be more transparent because of the situation we're in than normal. So actually, we are learning a bit more about bids than perhaps we ever would do if this was just being a private sale, aren't we? Well, they're sort of telling us, you know, big picture ideals and things they're going to do. They're sort of, they're they're trying to crisis control the obvious questions about, you know, uh, links with players, carpet bagging, all that kind of stuff. I don't think that's unusual. They're not talking specific amounts they're not talking about how they're going to structure the deal we don't know whether they're going to be debt deals or whether they're going to be equity deals we don't know what what the makeup of the consortiums are going to be we don't know how much role of banks and venture capitalists are going to play in it you know make no mistake this is not going to be one bloke putting a couple of billion quid on the table and treating it like uh, you know like like a leisure activity like we did with roman we're never going to get that again it's going to be a deadly serious commercial uh, operation that will be looking to make a profit out of Chelsea Football Club. Now, if we can enjoy glory as we go along and uh, and stay at the level we're at, then then that's great, and then we'll all take that. But you know, make no mistake, this is going to be a new era, and that's going to be complex and it's going to be complicated. So the idea that you just go, let's get the Saudis because they're going to put loads of money on the table, it's so naive, it's almost laughable. But that, that's what I mean, isn't it, Gary? That that we are having to have a certain amount of transparency and if people can't answer the questions where the money's coming from just maybe it'll be a cleaner transaction than say has happened before with certain clubs yeah i think so because what one one thing none of us want is the club to be sanctioned again caught up with whatever dealings that the owners have got because i think one of the frustrating things about everything that's happened now is that by virtue of the fact that we're Chelsea fans, we've been lumped into this somehow. And, you know, we're seen as sort of, you know, this group of people that are 
supporting a war or we're supporting some despot just by the fact that we're Chelsea fans who existed before 2003 are going to exist well beyond 2022. So hopefully what happens is that club gets bought out with, you know, a good owner that wants, you know, their, their intentions are, like Andy said, I, you know, I don't care if someone makes a profit out of Chelsea. I just want to see someone run the club properly and create a structure that works, that serves Chelsea properly. I think what you're going to see now is hopefully the end of this hire and fire culture because the club's just not going to be able to afford it. They can't do it on the whim of, of an owner anymore. Um, and hopefully we're going to see a bit of stability and structure come to Chelsea that hasn't been there because I think everything is set up now for the club to take a new path, a new course um, and go in a direction that maybe we wanted it to go in, but we haven't been able to be, you know, because we've been run on the whim of one person. So let's see what happens. But I just want someone to come in who understands the club and I think you've seen some of these bids that have you know come to light at the end of last week where I think the intelligent ones have got Chelsea people connected to them. You know, the likes of Barbara Sharon with the, the Bowley uh, bid, etc. So I want to see that. I want people to come in and understand the culture of the club that continue it, but then also can take Chelsea into the 21st century. Yeah, I think I think that's a fair summation of it. And, and, and as as Andy says, anything else is is pure speculation. Are you surprised at how many Chelsea related people have been linked with all these various bids, Andy? No, I'm not surprised at all. I mean, that's what you do when you bid for this kind of stuff. You you always try and attach some kind of heritage person to it to give it some credibility uh, with the club and with the fans. I mean, that's not unusual at all to. Uh, you know, to take someone who has a, a connection with the club or some involvement with the club and use them as the, uh, you know, a, as the poster person for that particular bid. Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised at all. It's, it's a, you know, an obvious and, and, and smart thing to do. Okay, and last question for you, Andy. Has anyone impressed you with their PR process so far? I think out of all of them, the Bowley bid looks like the one that has the most authenticity to it that looks like it's a commercial decision in the sense that they think that it's a profitable potentially profitable bid for them but that they uh understand sport and they understand media and they understand what is required to run a sports club successfully. I have no problem people making profit out of Chelsea. I have no problem somebody coming in, taking that kind of risk with their money, taking a profit out of the club, as long as that profit isn't at the expense of the club. And I think that's where the where the, the balance has to lie. Some of them, I think, are just so nakedly commercial that it worries me and it concerns me. Um, you know, you, you sports clubs are... Uh, are different to other businesses. You have to go and make emotional judgments on buying human beings' contracts. And those human beings may not perform at the level you want them to. You're not buying machinery, you're buying human beings, or you're certainly buying their services. And, and, and you know, sometimes that can cost you millions, tens of millions of pounds, and it may be a huge mistake. And so somebody's going to have to take huge risks. So we need somebody who's going to be very risk risk tolerant not risk averse and i think that some of the bids are going to be a little bit too risk averse for my liking um because running a football club's a you know it's a bit of a tightrope as we know so and gary uh last question for you on this um the bowley bid was the first one we heard about they they've made a lot of the front running on this is that because they're confident that they're going to get it how do you see it panning out? And are they your favourites at this moment in time? 
I think they were confident because they had the correct email address. Uh, would you like to explain that, please, Gary? Oh, is that that Turkish guy who made a lot of um, noise, didn't he? And then he, he didn't get his bid in, and rather than saying he didn't have the money, he goes, "I didn't have the right email address." <laughs> it, la- it landed. It landed to me. It was the Chelsea Gmail, and I was checking it, and I had a an email with his offer. <laughs> <laughs> did you accept it? <laughs> I did. <laughs> Excellent. Right. Well, that's between you, me, and Andy, and Leon as well. Our our, our sound. We, we man got a Domino's pizza with the proceeds. But um, in all seriousness, I, 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 think... I actually did like. Was it the, the um? Is it the the Ghanaian gold miner who wanted to buy Messi and Ronaldo? I mean, yeah, for a while, for a while, while he was definitely my favourite. That guy. It, it was fifteen years too late with that, with that strategy. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, I mean, look, who knows? They, I mean, apparently they had, you know, dozens of bids. Uh, how many of them were Well, over 30 bids, wasn't it? Yeah. I, I do like the Todd Bowley bid, just because the way they've gone around it, um, with the people they've got connected with it now, is that good PR? Is it good intent? Obviously, with all these things, as cliche as you find out as time goes by, right? Um, we, yeah, we yeah. don't know these people. It's all PR. You know, don't don't, yeah, don't think that these people will be in any kind of decision-making process. Well, obviously, Barbara's a PR specialist. So yeah, she there is. You go. And, but, um, and she's great. And I, I'm a big fan of Barbara. She's a music industry legend. And, you know, somebody who's passionate about Chelsea Football Club and has been for decades. And, you know, so having her involved is, is a good thing. But they're not there to make decisions about the football club. They're there to, no, sure. you know, to, to show that their counsel is being sought by the potential owners who, you know, want to make sure that they have a direct link to the fans and the fans concerns and allay those concerns. And we know what those concerns are. You know, the concerns are, are you going to have the spending power to keep us at the level that we're at? Are you going to continue the academy and women's football at the level that we want it to? Are you going to continue to invest in the in the uh, in the first team? Are you going to provide a golden share for the fans so the fans have some decision making process or seats on the board? Um, you know, and other questions like that. These are all the questions that the Chelsea Supporters Trust do go ahead and, as we said last week, join the Chelsea Supporters Trust. Only a fiver, uh, Google Chelsea Supporters Trust, and buy a Chelsea pitch owner share as well. Um, but they're the questions that are being asked by the Chelsea Supporters Trust, and I think they're they're absolutely the right questions to ask. I do like the look of that Bowley bid, um, just because of the people connected with it. But then, you know, with, with anyone who's connected with this process, I guarantee you that hand on heart. And no one can say they heard of 99% of these people until the club came up for sale. So I, I know I've done the reading around some of these people. Some of them seem like they understand sport and what it takes to be, you know, elite. Some of them are coming in as suits, which like Andy was saying there concerns me. So at the moment... But then you have people like, like the Ricketts coming in, you know, who, who, who've achieved great things with the Chicago Cubs in baseball. You know, but by all accounts, is a massive racist and you know Trumpian nightmare. I mean, do you want that type of person connected with our club? Well, no. th- this is the thing. Chelsea needs to have the most vanilla owner going right now, because anyone who you know um, courts controversy left, right, or centre just shouldn't be involved at Chelsea and should be you know avoided with a barge pole, right? Because everything we've gone through. The club needs to come out of this in a position where, like we're saying just now, we don't want to get sanctioned again. We don't want headlines leading to the club, you know, where the owner is caught up with a dodgy political leader or has dodgy political beliefs that are archaic and don't belong in the modern world, let alone modern sport, right? So I just think we want to avoid anyone just coming in with, with that. So... Um, also, as well, you know, the, Chelsea, whether whether you know proper Chelsea fans like it or not, Chelsea has a global fan base now, 
And a lot of those fans will be Muslim. A lot of those fans will be LBGBTQ+. A lot of those fans will have diverse opinions. You know, you need to have someone who's open-minded and understands that our fan base is diverse and it's colourful and it is, you know, uh, to be embraced. It's not to be divided. And we don't want somebody coming in with fixed views about race, religion, sexuality or whatever that's going to divide and, uh, and alienate members of our fan base. For me, that's an absolute deal-breaker. Yeah, and football, I, is, football is a sport that's diverse, right? It's just played all over the world anyway. It's exactly. played in Brazil, it's played in you know, Australia, it's played in Iran, it's played in the UK. It's a sport we deliver to the world. It's not like American football where it's played in isolation in one country, but has a fan base outside, but it's played in one country. Football's played everywhere. Yeah, it's true. So, I mean, at the end of the day, all we want is for somebody to come in and make us forget about all the other stuff all the peripheral stuff we want somebody who understands the modern world who understands the sporting game that is football who understands that Chelsea should be Chelsea and make us carry on playing football if we can just get back to playing football every week and trying to win a match that's all we want to happen but it's got to be done in an inclusive way and we need to get rid of this divisive element and this divisive feel throughout everything at the moment we are living in such a polarized world and we we just need to to get out of that and get back to playing football and being chelsea football club at all levels well well so, said as, as well because i do think we are living in culture wars at the moment all sorts of different culture wars and football was always an escape for that it was always a, a way to go and spend 90 minutes getting transported somewhere else and football has become a culture war you know football has become you know, we're bringing those elements of of our political and social beliefs into the football ground. That's always happened to a degree. I'm not naive. But more and more, we're divided as fans or we're divided in what should be sung, what shouldn't be sung, what we should be saying on social media, what we shouldn't. I just think, let, I mean, I agree with you. I would just want to go and watch a football match. That's what I want to do. You know, I want to go and, you know, for 90 minutes, not think about my work, the war in Ukraine, the other stuff that kind of fills my head, you know, and 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 concerns and troubles me. And I'm sure I speak for a lot of football fans where it's like, you know, football is something that does that for me. And, you know, I, that's what I want to get back to. Yeah. And as football fans, we don't choose our owners. We do choose our football club. And I chose Chelsea many, many years ago because they were the team I fell in love with as a kid. And that's all I want, because you're right. That's what it's about. It's about that 90 minutes. It's about that time you spend with those people in that ground watching your team. And that's what we need to get back to. The pure, unadulterated joy of supporting and loving Chelsea. Right, look, we should move on. That's enough of that. We need to actually talk about football, because we've been playing some. Now, some people were worried what would happen through this whole period. Would we fall apart? Would it all become a mess? As we've talked about previously, and as the world is probably talking about in football, Thomas Tuchel has led us magnificently on on our journey through this weird and wild and, quite frankly, ugly time. So everyone decamped to France, to Lille, and now... Is there somebody in our little group here who managed to go to Lille as well? The the man, Mr. Away 
the away man. It's Andy. How was it? How did it go? Was it a fantastic experience? It's great. Yeah, I mean, I, I did go to Lille. Uh, it's a great, easy trip for me. I mean, it's you know an hour and a half from St Pancras on the Eurostar, um, so that's simple enough. And then the station is very near everything. Um, yeah, listen. I mean, I I went on my own. Um, I like you know these little trips where you can go over there and just get a sense of the culture. I went to the previous Lille game as well that we played, so I already knew the city from that experience. Had a nice hotel, had a nice vegetarian lunch, had a look around the cathedral, didn't get tear gassed um, and bat and charged like some fans. Um, went to the game, saw us win, went back to the hotel, came home. I mean, what's not to like? It was all good. So, Gary, yeah, Lille for you, was this a potential banana skin or did you think with the result from the first leg, this was just a matter of job was done, take care, but should go through? Yeah, well, last week I predicted an, an easy win. I think it wasn't as easy as we would have liked, but I think by the end of it, it became an easy win, sort of, didn't it? It, it didn't feel like a, a last 16 Champions League tie. But what was the atmosphere like there, Andy? Because they were making a big deal out of it on the TV, as if to say that the fans there were electric and Chelsea felt intimidated. Uh, the, the fans were amazing, actually. I mean, they had lots of really good TIFOs. Um, you know, the, the announcer really well on the mark. They had the flags. I mean, it was great. I mean, it was great to be in a ground with that amount of atmosphere. And it, on, and it does make you think we are a bit, um, you know, we, are, we, we can be a little bit uh, timid as supporters with our, you know, one or two songs that we bellow out. I mean, going to those away European grounds, I mean, they are great atmospheres and, you know, I, I enjoy that. I mean, look, the Chelsea fans sang as well. There was plenty of singing in, in the Chelsea end as well. I don't think the fans were intimidated and certainly I don't think the players were, even though we went 1-0 down. Um, it didn't look like a particularly difficult game for us. I didn't feel at any point that we would lose it. Um, but yeah, it was good atmosphere. It was good fun. See, I, I just find that those European grounds, I don't know if you've been in the home end of them. I find it too, it's too scripted. It's too orchestrated. Like I, I went to, I went to Monaco against Monaco, Toulouse. Though, man. Monaco. No, no, but well, I, I went to Monaco to lose. Um, it was in Bappe's last game for Monaco. So it was a few years ago now. I think it was summer 2017. And, um, their fans were trying to get it going in the way that it was at Lille the other night. But you have these guys who are just, they're not even watching the game. They're just watching the crowd and they've got their megaphone. They're pointing at people who aren't singing and all that. I'm just like, give it up, mate. You know, it's like... It depends what stadium you go to. I mean, Monaco is a small stadium, isn't it? With a not a very big capacity. Teeny tiny. I think, you know, Lille's a good 40,000. You know, it's a a proper stadium. And so I think when you've got that amount of people jumping up and down, night game, the TIFOs. You've still got the people directing the singing and all that kind of stuff. You know, to be honest, I'd rather that than than what we do, which is to sing three songs over and over and over, you know, again, you know, and, you know, without an, an awful lot of, of imagination. I mean, yeah, we can make a lot of noise and we can be supportive, but there is something about that kind of unified voice that away fans sing with, you know, and the, you know, the bounce in. I like it. I have to say, you might think it's scripted. Probably is in Monaco. I don't think that's a great example. 
I, 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 even when I've been to games in like Italy and Germany, there's just these people at the front that aren't even watching the game. Yeah, but that, that's their they're, that's their job. They're isn't directing. It? Yeah, I know. But I'm just looking. I'm just like, I prefer it when it's spontaneous. And that's, I'm not there, sat here saying, "Oh, because Chelsea fans are the best fans." You in just the world. want a zigzagger every now and then, don't you? Yeah, yeah, but, but a zigzagger. There's always someone who's in charge of setting that off. That's how it always used yeah, to be. Yeah, but then they're not they're not there with a megaphone, not watching the game, pointing, going, "You're not singing," and then people turning on them and stuff. I, I just find it. I was like, look, just go with it. Go. You know with why it that is, stop. Gary? Because you don't sing. Yeah, no, you well, don't it, sing. Gary Hayes sing, does, does not sing. No, Gary he stands there with his arms I, folded. I he just stands there with you know, his arms folded, refusing to sing. I, 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 I do this thing that very few football fans do. I watched a game. Nah, you see, you're a loser. You're going on about singing. And actually, I've heard Andy... I'm watching you, the game. Every you know single game I've been to you with, Gary, you've never sung a note. Never, ever, ever. Uh, and, w- and when we score, I just stand up and clap with two fingers onto my left palm. Pretty I much. I haven't even seen yeah. that. Yeah. Like, like the Queen at the Albert Hall. Well, okay, that's what you want to think of yourself. I mean, I, I think... Sorry, so. not, somebody, not the Queen, somebody, the, king, the King. Somebody who doesn't sing shouldn't be making any kind of comment about singing what do you think gary gary i i I absolutely agree and also i've heard the reason he doesn't is because he has a falsetto voice i was gonna say he's got he's got like a little girl's voice when he sings isn't he and that's it's embarrassing that's why he doesn't i i I think he's just worried there you go see he's worried he's gonna break your glasses andy when he sings (laughs) <laughs> oh no, we found a new area. Gary Hayes sings. It's a bit like Val Dunican live. You know, it's the same kind of thing, but in a nice high falsetto. Right, okay, I'm starting to feel a bit queasy. Um, so yeah, I, look, it was a, it was a classic case of Chelsea getting into the game. They go one down, and then we come back with with you know Jorginho with an assist again. Pulisic finishing, Captain America. Is he starting to find his touch, Gary? Well, he's still not peak Pulisic that we've seen. But oh, I wanted to, I, was a, he left such an open door for an impression there. Oh, oh sorry, well, let's cut it up. Ask the question again. No, we're not <laughs> going to cut it up. We're going to show just, how just, embarrassing just, uh, you uh, are. Ask, ask, ask the, sorry, I was, I was being serious. Ask the question again. Okay, Gary. Um, do you think... That uh, Christian Pulisic is coming back to his best form. Hey, yeah, this is Christian Pulisic from Hershey, Pennsylvania. We're going to make Pulisic great again. <laughs> God, that's okay. so awful. It's so uh, awful. I really yeah. wish I hadn't done that now. Yeah, you brought this on, <laughs> Andy. You brought this on. But, I mean, it was it was a very tidy finish, wasn't it, Andy? Yeah, I mean, it just made it look very easy, didn't it? And, and um, you know, it just relaxed. Look, we... Always said, I have huge frustrations with Pulisic, um, but he can finish. He can finish, and uh, and he's a good finisher. And it was a great ball, good run, decent finish at a brilliant time as well. Like almost last kick of the of the first half as well, which was which was great. And and we were getting a little bit frustrated, weren't we, with the sort of lack of being able to penetrate. You know what was a very well disciplined Leal Leal side on the night, but um, you know once once we'd opened them up on that, it, I think it took the wind out of their sails a little bit. Yeah, it's true. And then of course it was all over to the captain's knee. Um, it was so funny watching it live. You probably haven't seen this, Andy, but they go, "Oh, what a finish from Azpilicueta!" And I'm I'm looking at it. I'm going, "I'm sure that's come off 
not his foot. I mean, Gary, well, what did you think of that? I mean, it, but he got in position. I mean, he does work so hard for the team, doesn't he, Dave? Just quickly on Pulisic as well, talking about him being a good finisher. I forgot about the goal we scored against Real Madrid last season until subsequently we got drawn against him. UEFA put up the clips from last season. And when he rounds Courtois and puts it in, lovely finish. I, I forgot about how good that goal was. But yeah, Aspilicueta, um yeah, it was. He scored a goal like that before, and I'm trying to tr- trying to remember who it was against. Arriving late and just getting a you know get getting at the back post. Maybe it was Leicester or someone. But um, yeah, it was just a let's throw my leg at it somehow and put it in the back of the net. But um, I was really impressed with the way that Mount had peeled off and got him around the back there to to put it across. Yeah, Mount's coming it, back into a bit of form now, isn't he? Which is good. He it is. is, you know, certainly in the last couple of games. I mean, I just think so far this season he hasn't been at his imperious best, but last three or four games you're starting to see that energy, that that sort of kinetic movement that he has, the ability to kind of control tempo and and just thinking outside the box a little bit and doing something a little bit different. I think he's been really impressive, particularly well, particularly against Lille and Middlesbrough. Yeah, and no player has been involved in more goals since Thomas Tuchel took over. Twenty nine. Yeah, it's scored true. and assisted, and it, that's not an assist for the assist. That's a direct assist as yeah. well. So, yeah, and and he's he's you can tell when he's on form because he's always getting stuck into players. He's always got a word from. I mean, he's a tough so and so. He really is. I mean, he never shirks. Um, he's always in and he's always at it when he's on form. And I, yeah, I, I, th- I still think we'll see the very best of him either towards the end of this season or next season. I think he's had a difficult year for all sorts of reasons. What, at Barcelona? Uh, but, sorry? At Barcelona. At Barcelona. What? what, what Dave. At Bar- Dave. No, no, no. I'm talking about Mason Mount. Oh, you're talking about Mason Mount, about, right. Okay. Yeah. And, and Mason Mount, you know, he, I think, I think we'll see the best for him towards the end of the season and, yeah. uh, or next season. And, um, yeah, Dave, don't say he's going to Barcelona. He's such a, he's such a wonderful captain. I mean, he really is. He's such a great leader. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that And that's that was... interesting, isn't it? The kind of leader thing, because I don't think anybody was master, was master of the captaincy first time round. Yeah. He wasn't a, um, you know, he wasn't an, he wasn't an obvious choice for the captaincy. I don't think. And when he did, it was all a little bit kind of, oh, well, there's no real leadership here. But I just think over time, he's led by example so well that you know, now people look at him and, you know, that that overused phrase of model professional. He absolutely is, isn't he? He's the he's the absolute sort of almost template of a Premier League footballer. Yeah, uh, what do you think of him, Gary? Are, are you a, an admirer? Would you be sad to see him go, or is it time? Yeah, I think it's time. Um, you know, I, th- I think that for it's sort of like what happened with you know other players at the club when they've stayed maybe a bit too long. That's not to say that I dislike him or anything, but you look at Chelsea losing Livramento. You know, that's not to say Livramento's a better player now, but when we talk about the way Chelsea play in the system. Livermento's more suited to being that right wing back over. Yeah, but then they look at you and they think, well, I'm a young player coming through. I've got Aspi and Reese James ahead of me. My career's done if I stay at Chelsea. So they rightly move on, you know. But um, I think he's been a good servant for Chelsea. I think now is about the right time to leave unless he's willing to accept that he's not going to play every week. I just don't want him to go to Barcelona because, you know, now they, they beat Madrid and now suddenly the media world is tantric that Xavi is the next Guardiola too, but even better. And I just don't want Aspi to be tarnished by that. 
<laughs> That's fair enough. I, I'll, I'll go along with that. All right. So we we win the game. It's it's a it's a great thing. We're through to the quarterfinals, and the draw was on Friday, and that draw ended up first leg at home to Real Madrid, second leg away. What did you think of that draw coming out there, Andy? Well, it beat them last time, didn't we? And, yeah. And uh, look, I I think it's great that we can go and play at the Bernabeu because I don't think we've done that in serious competition for forever. You know, I can't, not certainly don't remember it in, you know, in, in, in recent memory at all. Have we Gary? I mean, you're Ray, man. Have we Gary? I can't imagine. No, we we haven't. no, no. So no. that'll be a thrill. If we can buy tickets by then, so hopefully we'll get some ownership done by then. We or get our license altered. We can buy tickets. I'd love to go to that game at the Bernabeu. I think it'll be amazing. Um, we can beat them. I don't think they're all that. They're certainly not the kind of fearsome Real Madrid of, of years gone by. Um, we're going to have a little bit of a hoodoo over them after beating them last year. So, yeah, I think it's really exciting. And listen, you're going to have to play the big teams at some point. Why not play them now? Real Madrid aren't a big team. We. Hey. Well, you know, it's... Their star midfielder is my age. Come yeah. on. No, it's true. This isn't Real Madrid from five years I just said that, ago. Gary. I just said that. No, no, not, that's what I'm saying. I don't really see... They're a big, they're a big club, that's but what I, I mean. they're a big team. That's what I mean. You're going to have to play the big clubs. But they've got this far, you know, is what I mean. And I don't yeah, think that anybody can relax and, and be complacent playing Real Madrid or any of these clubs because they've been there, they've seen it, they've done it. You know, some of those players have, have, have won ridiculous amounts of trophies, including the Champions League on multiple occasions. So I don't think, even though they're not the fearsome Real Madrid of, of five, ten years ago, I don't think you can take, take, take anything for granted at this stage of the competition. I have to say the one thing I really, really want is tickets for the home game, at least. I mean, I'm, I want to see Chelsea Real Madrid at Stamford Bridge. That is a game I've never seen in my life. Mm. Um, I really want to see it at, at Stamford Bridge. And I really hope things get resolved and people understand. Did we play a pre-season against Real Madrid? Yeah, but that doesn't... Yeah, we, play, yeah, we played them at the Ann Arbor yeah. Stadium. In a, no, in but didn't we play them, we played them at Stamford Bridge? It was 100... 107,000. Yeah, last wasn't it? year. La- last year we played them in the Champions League, didn't we? But no, no, we no. Were... But I mean, in pre season, did we not play at Real Madrid in pre season? Not Real Madrid, no. We haven't. We, we've, we've, played, we've played them overseas in the US. That's when we right, played them okay. at the, the Michigan um, Stadium. Um, I'm getting confused. What's it called? It's Ann Arbor University. Right, okay. 107,000 or something were there, weren't they? Right. That's what I'm crazy. Probably getting confused. One of those. Yeah, yeah but I mean, I, I certainly can't remember see, me, me seeing them. So, you know, it's. Um, yeah. No, it's it's a hole in our. You're very old. In... Didn't you see them in the 1971 Cup Winners Cup final? <laughs> oh, I wish I had. Oh God, I'll never forget that. That was Kerry was so sleeping magical. on the beach in Athens. Peter Osgood tapped him on the shoulder, gave him a ticket. So go on, son, <laughs> nip in there, and you'll I'll I'll score a goal for you. Um, but you know the the rest. But wouldn't is it be depressing if we couldn't have fans for a you know for for either of those games, particularly at the Bridge? Imagine if we couldn't go and see Real Madrid at the bridge. In the, yeah. Know, in, in I mean, it's bad enough to miss awful. it last year, but yeah. this year as well? No, that's 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 just not right. I and don't the, see how they can deny us that. Well, I, There's I can. got to be something put in place for yeah. sporting integrity. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute, <laughs> Gary. We'll get to that in a minute. So anyway, well, look, that's it. It is Real Madrid. Hopefully decisions will be made. 
tickets, please, UEFA. Um, and let's see what happens. Right, we should go to a commercial break. And then when we come back, we'll be looking at the FA Cup and looking forward to Brentford. And we're back. So, more cup games this week, and it was Middlesbrough away. This was where we'd already, before the game had even kicked off, as we talked about when it was breaking news last week, scored an incredible own goal, um, uh, referring to, well, I'm sure Gary will talk about this in a minute. You mentioned it earlier. Would you like to discuss your, your point? And actually, I think you had tweet of the week, didn't you, Gary? Well... Another week, another tweet of the week. Which one are you talking God. about? <laughs> Come on, look, just take the compliment and don't don't try and milk it too much. Borough Neil Sporting Integrity too. Yeah, that's right. the one. It was a complete, like you said, it was a complete own goal from Chelsea. It was completely tone deaf. Whoever was behind that statement, um, apparently Larry David was you know, the instigator behind it who um Steve Gibson sort of pointed out publicly and had a pop at. I don't see how, again, that is reflective of Chelsea fans. Oh, well, you need to go back and say to people what it is, Gary. Oh, sorry. Yeah, about the um, they wanted the game played behind closed doors for reasons of sports and integrity. Right. um, Which was ridiculous. Um, You know, we're we're not Middlesbrough's problem. Um, This is my view. We're not Middlesbrough's problem. They shouldn't be having to close their gates because we're sanctioned and can't bring fans to... To matches, um, it was it was ridiculous. But then I, again, the, the flip side of this is how suddenly he comes out with this statement saying that sport and integrity in Chelsea just don't go together in the same sentence. I'm just thinking, how can that be? And especially when the media jump on the bandwagon and start talking about Chelsea and you know and how evil we are and that this game is football versus Chelsea and everything. But at the same time, they'll celebrate Juventus who are the antithesis of sport and integrity, who got you know relegated down to Serie B because of the Calciopoli um, disgrace, you know, and, and everything that ensued there with the fact that they were bunging referees to win matches. Chelsea haven't done that. Chelsea haven't got a track record of doing that. The players themselves haven't got a track record of, you know, being cheats and, you know, doping or anything like that. So, okay, there's something happening at boardroom level. But if anything, that's corporate integrity. That's not sporting integrity, right? And obviously, sporting integrity turned up and played them off the park and beat them 2 0. There you go. And how many people have responded to your tweet? Oh, over half a million. <laughs> oh, can you Responded again? to your tweet or seen your tweet? Well, viewed the tweet. Viewed the tweet, right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's still impressive. It's. Too- <laughs> Then, when I, then when, when, when I made the other tweet, the subsequent tweet, that I just worked out when I just thought he wants to talk about sport and integrity and oh, Chelsea and money bags and, you know, they've used their dirty cash to, you know, um, ruin English football and stuff. And then I looked in, I thought, wait there, Steve Gibson, you're meant to be this club of the people. And your dream was that one day you would have a team of 11 players who were um, all born within the sound of, you know, um, the crowd of Ayrson Park and everything, or the Riverside, right? Chelsea had more academy players playing on Saturday than Middlesbrough, a team that are meant to, we're told are meant to be shopping around for bargains and don't have money to sign players. Chelsea had three play, three players, uh, sorry, four players in their matchday squad, um, and Middlesbrough had three. 
Uh, obviously, Harvey Vale making the fourth player in that squad, but still, Chelsea had those players playing, mm. and and those players were part. And you know, especially when you see you know Mason Mount, you know, being a player who was one of the chief instigators in running that game. You know, th- th- these aren't players who aren't aren't important to Chelsea. These are players that are integral to what we're achieving. I just thought no one pointed that out as well. Everyone wanted to talk about the oh, you know, um, Chelsea spent X amount. Their squad is worth this. Yet Middlesbrough is only worth fifteen million or whatever. It's okay, but let's flip. If you're going to talk about that, let's flip the narrative and talk about the fact that, yeah, okay, Chelsea have spent big money, but by hook or by crook, we have found a way to start bringing the talented youngsters through who are good enough. And I just think that it's sort of lost because it doesn't fit the narrative still. If if you're going to talk about the money we spend, talk about the young players. But then everyone go, oh, yeah, but you got a transfer ban. It doesn't matter whether we had a transfer ban or anything. The players were good enough to get in that team, and that's down to what we do at academy level so Middlesbrough sporting integrity we bring more kids through than you yeah yet we've got more money than you well there you go and, and Andy um did you feel watching the game as well that the the pundits were all thinking they could smell blood in this one and that oh it's a it's an early kickoff you know Borough they'll be up for it there's only 675 Chelsea fans yeah I, I, I didn't have a problem with that I mean that's the cup isn't it everybody wants of the course. cup so that's everybody what I mean. wants a giant killing you know everybody wants to see the big boys get humiliated uh, look I'm fine with that that's that's what the FA Cup is fact of the matter is it didn't happen and they were bit of a pub team and we smashed them so you know on we go to Crystal Palace in the semi-finals at Wembley if we can buy a ticket so Andy what did you make of that first goal because actually it was a thing of beauty wasn't it it was so well worked well what I I loved about the goal was the fact that Thiago Silva started it you know and Thiago you know had about three or four touches you know you know lovely little header cushioned header then a little bit of a feint to, to knock it and got it back little triangles you know, and then got it out to Ziyech and, 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 and the rest was, was history as they moved up the pitch. Beautiful ball by Mason Mount, you know, decent finish by Lukaku, arriving at the right time for once. And um, yeah, an, an absolute, you know, an absolute corker of a team goal. Really, really good to see. And, you know, that kind of counter-attacking football um, has been missing a little bit, being able to do that. So it was great to see that. I mean, I just thought Lukaku's run as well was great. And I think he got enough credit for, you know, for, for you know, a deft little finish. People calling it a tap-in. They're never tap-ins, those ones. You know, they always well, got to do a little bit. It was just behind him and he had to almost hold his hold his movement so that he could Yeah, he's got a guy diving in in front of him. He's got the keeper coming yeah. out. You know, that's that, they're harder than they look at. Absolutely. It was just like his goal against Arsenal when Rhys James squared it to him, but this yeah. time it was Mount. Yeah. It was a Lukaku goal. That's what he was born to do. How good would Lukaku be if he had, you know, James and Chilwell for the whole season servicing him? You know, I think that, that you know, I had lunch with somebody today as a Chelsea fan, you know, he made that point that, you know, that, that um, you know, James and Chilwell would have been an absolute boom for Lukaku. You know, he's not had a lot to feed off from wide spaces, has he? To be honest with Aspilic. Who did you have lunch with? Friend of mine. My friend Simon. <laughs> Well, that's did, better than a straight season who, ticket holder, Matthew Harding. Who, who paid? Uh, he paid. Oh, so you, you did a Ken Bates to him? Yeah. Well, you know, the thing is, you know, I'm such great company that it's not. It's no, you know, it's no, you know, it's, it's not a bad thing to pay for my lunch. You get great, you get great value out of me. What, what did you have? What did you have? I had a, I don't know, I had a pizza. I shouldn't really because I'm on a low carb diet, but I did. Yeah, I don't did. care, Gary. You know, get to my age, it's uh, it's NFG. <laughs> <laughs> NFG, mate. What's NFG? NFG. Sounds like a shitty bit of art. Google it. 
Google it. So yeah, let's NFT, see. NFG, God. Oh, I'll tell you. So was, was John Terry involved? Sorry. Go on. I was just going to say, Gary, um, do you think Lukaku is, do you think it was the kind of game where actually you saw him looking more like the player we want him to be? Um, and is that because it was just a, a lower rank side? Or do you think there was something going on? Because he was a bit more of a focal point. And it, he, he looks... He looks though he's always smiling and happy with the teammates around him, isn't he? Oh, I see. Sorry. Yeah, now it makes sense, Andy. Sorry. IRL. Oh, um, can we get on with this <laughs> rather than you just Googling Lukaku, everything? Lukaku. I just think... No, Andy held it up to the camera when you were looking elsewhere. I think Lukaku would be perfect for Arsenal. Right. Okay. okay, that's random. Right. Here we he go. He does it against the shit teams. Well, so far, yeah. I'm not giving up on Lukaku. I'm not. I refuse to. I, I, I just think with Lukaku, I, I don't think he's a bad player. I think he's an incredibly talented player. But Chelsea's system just does not suit him. But what Chelsea need and what Tuchel wants is a player as the nine who's going to drop deep and he's going to allow the inside forwards to overlap him and he's going to be a bit more dynamic, whereas Lukaku wants to be playing on the shoulder of the last defender. He wants to be touching him and feeling them, and he wants the ball released to him quickly. Chelsea just don't play that way. They don't have players that play that way. And I just think that you've got a square peg in a round hole, and yeah. that's, oh, not, I, I, that's, I, not, that's not his fault. No, I, I, think, I think that in he's shown when he plays in a system that suits him, he scores goals. And when you play against a team like Middlesbrough that were just you know playing on passion and just trying to attack Chelsea and break against them. Chelsea were able to do it to them, which is why I thought that Tuchel playing the, the team that he did in the middle of the park was actually really clever, um, that we were able to pick them off like that. But when you play really good teams, yeah. they're wise to it. It doesn't happen against Man City. It doesn't happen against Liverpool. So I don't think Lukaku fits it. But if he's going to turn up and do you know score goals against Middlesbrough, then you know, fair play to him. He, he scored important goals in the, the Club World Cup as well, so he's got a role to play. I just, I just think don't think he's got a £100 million role to you play. You can't underestimate the injuries we've had this season to key players, and you can't you know underestimate poor form from players like Mount, uh, from Pulisic, injuries to Chilwell and, and James. Uh, look, I, I think if you put the right you know sort of team around him that, that is on form and fully fit, that's going to create a role for Lukaku. I just think it's a bit reductive to say the system doesn't suit him. That, that's no, my I just view. Think that, yeah, I, I just think that there's other players that would fit. You know what I'd like to see us do? It wouldn't happen, obviously, but let's pretend we're playing championship manager for a minute. I'd love us to go, Spurs, here's 100 million plus Lukaku, because Conte would love it, because he loves Lukaku, and we take Kane, and then Kane would do with Pulisic and Mount or any number of the inside forwards we got, he would do with them what he does with Son, right? And we would score goals for fun and Kane would get 30 yeah, I mean, Kane, a season. Kane, Kane's, on a, Kane's on a different level though, I think. But do, do you see my point though? He's, he's, he's I totally see your point. Player. And there's a, there's a lot to be said for it, but to basically say it won't work, I'm not having that straight away. I'm just, I'm just not having it as a, as a, as a, as a fixed view. I'm not having it. I just think that, you know, that's Tuchel's genius. And, and, and I, and I believe he is a genius. Uh, I think he's amazing. And that's one thing the owners have got to do straight away is lock him in. Um, I think his genius will be to make, that team were every team and every player in that team you know we were wondering you know for quite a long time what what does Havertz do what does he do you know and look where he's at the moment you know look at some of these other players that are coming through they, they will find their role and the team will find the role for that person 
it's just not going to happen soon. And we're just not very good at delayed gratification as fans. That's that's the problem. Uh, no, I, I, I'm not on Lukaku's back by any stretch. I, I just think that he's in a position where it doesn't suit him and it doesn't suit Chelsea. But then, you know, I think the comparison with Havertz is a good one because I was about to say Havertz has made me eat humble pie and I've got no problem saying that. I think that the player he's become is the player that I didn't expect him to become. But the difference with Havertz is that he's 22 and Lukaku's, what, 29 now? Mm. And he hasn't got time on his side to, you know, rebrand himself in the way that Havertz has been able to adapt. But he's got the attributes that allow him to play the way that he does. Whereas I think Lukaku is what he is. And Chelsea, I think, bought him as a knee-jerk reaction because they were like, we've got no striker. We need a striker. Uh, I don't disagree with that. And he became it. I think there's a lot to be said for that. I I, I don't massively disagree with what you're saying. Um, And I think most Chelsea fans will probably agree with you 100%. I'm just extending a little bit more faith than you that I think that there's a role for Lukaku in this team if we have the players around him to... Um, you know, to, to give him the ball and play him to his strengths. You know, I don't, but, I, I don't disagree with what you say about how difficult it, it is to, for him to fit in there. I just like to give it a little bit more time. I think also that for me, though, the, the, the overriding issue is Havertz and what he's done in the last couple of months has made him actually our number nine. And I think that's an interesting point. He is the best now that we've got in that central role. There's no doubt he leads the line well, he's intelligent, he makes the runs, he makes the moves, he scores the goals. I don't see at this moment in time that Lukaku comes in as first pick number nine until something happens or drops off for for Kai Havertz. I think Kai Havertz has made that role his own at the moment, don't you think, Andy? Yeah, I agree. I I mean, look, you only have to see Lukaku coming off the bench in, in all these games. He came off the bench you know, in so many games recently. And as Gary says, you know, he's scoring against Luton and he's scoring against, you know, some club I can't even remember in the Club World Championships and he's scoring against Barra. And, you know, he's he's doing those games, um, you know, and, and uh, you know, what he needs to do is, is if he does get a chance, is bang a few in against the Premier League side, you know, that, that has got a bit about them and might start taking him seriously. Uh, but it's going to be very difficult to get in ahead of Kai Havertz, who... You know, it seems to have great chemistry with the players around him, whereas Lukaku doesn't. So I don't have a problem with him sitting on the bench. You know, he needs to take his chance when it comes. And it's the, just a hundred million pound problem. That's, well, it's that's the issue. If, if the price tag wasn't there, you'd be turning around and going, ah, "Well, of course he's got to sit on the bench." You know, until he gets some form back, and he's got to take his chance to get it. The fact is, he got this hundred million pound, you know, sort of mile, you know, millstone round his neck. That's the problem. If you took him, if you took just the players and took away their price tags, you'd obviously say Habits was the starter. Obviously, it's but just, he is it's disappointing because now. you just think like hundred million. I know it's not our money, but you think about what it does for the club. Yeah, and I just think should have just kept Giroud because yeah. Lukaku is doing what you expect his Giroud to do, or just kept Tammy. And I'm not saying that because Tammy Abraham's got 23 goals for Roma this season. I'm just mean that... Scored, in the, scored ex- in the Roma derby, didn't he? And became a he legend for the weekend. Yeah, he got two. Well, he, and just talking of him, he's the, the start doing the rounds. I didn't, I didn't know this was the case until I saw it today, but um, not because I don't follow Serie A. But um, he scored more goals in his first season now than um, Montella and Batistuta did when they went to Roma. Yeah, so I, I it shows that. he's got that ability in front of goal. But... Um, 
yeah, I'm not, I'm not just saying, you know, oh, because he's scoring goals now, we should have kept him. But I just think that when you look at it, you spend 100 million for a player who is effectively becoming a bench warmer now. Mate, we, we spent 70 million quid on a goalkeeper, you know, that, that, that can't even You could have just the, kept Giroud. You, know. you, know, you could have just kept Abraham. I know. You could have just even kept Batshuayi. But, but this goes all the way back you know I mean? to what we were saying at the beginning of the programme, wasn't it, about new owners and about what they need to accept. You know, that they might need to accept they're going to burn 100 million quid on a player that isn't going to do it or a goalkeeper that's going to be the backup or, you know, and that re- the resale value of that might plummet enormously. You know, we saw Real Madrid have done it with Eden Hazard. You know, they've spent a huge amount of money on Eden Hazard. What's his value now? 30 million, maybe 40 million yeah. max. He's, you know, he's worth more in his weight than he is in the Euro. <laughs> you know, so the point <laughs> is that any football owner that comes in and has got to realise that you're going to have to spend a huge amount of money and it may not work. Yeah, but there's also the other side of it, whereby, and I think we talked about this um, last week or the week before, that actually, if these debts are being written off and and things, is he actually a hundred million off the 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 books, as it were, because it doesn't exist in a kind of weird way, which is where I can see people could pick us up on that and go, well, hold on, they've just got rid of a player they would never normally be able to get rid of. But because it's been wiped off, they can sell him for thirty million, and they actually feel like they're thirty million up. Yeah, you're not buying. You're not buying debt. That's one thing. That's why we've had so many bidders. Uh, bidders is we're not buying debt. That's all been written off. What you are buying is twenty eight million pounds a month in wages. You're buying, you know, a big overhead, and you're buying an ongoing uh, investment in playing staff and wages. You know, and it's a it, it's a big commitment. But you're not buying debt, and so it's uh, it's a it's it's a really interesting one for any any buyers coming in. You know, and that's why it's commercially interesting to see whether people will go. We're going to put a two hundred and fifty million pound war chest together to buy six or seven players that are going to keep us at the top of elite global football for years to come, which is what but City, that's City where, did, you know, or PSG no, did. Well, I don't think Chelsea need to spend two hundred and fifty million. I know anyway. they don't. Whoever's but buying, che- I know no, no, but what I mean, though, whoever's buying Chelsea, yeah, whoever's buying Chelsea is buying a squad that is primed now to be challenging for titles for the next six to eight years because it's a very young squad and I just think that you know maybe you know test Spurs' resolve with Kane play on that idea that Conte loves Lukaku swap him we'll win the league we'll win the Champions League with Harry Kane up front we'll win the Club World Cup I don't I don't think that Daniel we're going to be champions ever. of Europe and the world Daniel can Lee you imagine never ever <laughs> let us have Harry Kane they won't I don't know just... though Conte might flip and, you know, go all Kaiser Soze on them. And Daniel Levy might just give in. Nah, he's, nah it's all about ain't Levy. Conte's got nothing to do with it. No, nothing to do with it. All right, look, we should, we should uh, just quickly look ahead because we aren't going to be here next week unless something very interesting happens in the world of Chelsea. So, Well, let, let's we're say gonna... if, if a sale goes through, I don't think it will. But if it does, let, we'll, we'll do one. But it, but yeah, maybe on Tuesday or if something. If it does, because yeah. otherwise it's just going to be gossip and speculation. So we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll we'll take our usual international break and go go to our private island and get some sun for a week or so. Yeah. So where's, your, where's your private island, Andy? Norfolk. There you go. So, yes. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, look, we, we should look forward to the game we'll come back to in, in um, 10, 12 days' time, which is Brentford at home. Hopefully with... Everything resolved, and we'll know what we've got to do. Now, Brentford, they're a funny side. I mean, I, I kind of am happy that I think they're going to stay up. I think it's great for West London. There's another club in the Premier League. Um, but Don't care. 
Yeah, I know you don't care, but you're you're quite a miserable bloke, you know, Gary. Um, but do we see this as a nice, easy afternoon uh, where we can welcome West London neighbours, Andy? Or is this going to be quite a, a testing game to come back to? Well, the home game was quite testing, wasn't it? We had a bit of a struggle at their place and managed to overcome, you know, in a uh, at the end. But it wasn't they were woeful in the cup, though. Yeah, well, they they've been pretty woeful since, to be honest. They've only got um, eight wins this season out of 36 draws. They've lost 16 games. They've got a goal difference of minus 14. They've only won two out of their last five. Um, it, it's just one of those teams that when they turn it on, they look okay. Uh, and if they turn up less than 100%, they look abject. So I don't see them being any real challenge to us, particularly at the bridge. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go for a fairly straightforward 2-0 win. OK, Gary, over to you, your thoughts. And it'd be yeah. great to see Christian Eriksen actually on a, a, a football pitch uh, again. Don't care about sentiment like that. Oh, you're so hard. Just don't care. You've got a heart of stone. I care, Gary. I think it will be nice. A heart yeah. of glass or a heart of stone. Ain't that West End Girls by Pet Shop Boys? I, I really wouldn't know. Or the um, the cover by seventeen. Yeah, can we just get on with a question, please? <laughs> the, what was okay, Brentford? Well, since um, the since the start of December, they've lost twelve games in all competitions and won just five, and drawn one. They're not very good. Um, I think they got off to a good start of the season because they were playing um, against Arsenal, and that sort of was a springboard. But I think they're sort of like Huddersfield a few years ago and they started off really well, managed to stay up and then the next season they dropped. I think that's what's going to happen with Brentford. They're not bad, but they're just not that good either. Um, I think I, I don't think they're going to be a problem for us and I think maybe Lukaku will start and score. Okay. That's their, that, that's their level. And the score will be? 3-0 to Chelsea. And what did you say, Andy? 2-0. Okay, well, I'm going to go... Um, I kind of agree with both your views on this um i think it's going to be great i'm going to go back to the bridge again i tell you i'm so glad there's a number of fixtures potentially to to go to um i'm gonna go oh four nil um that's my thing the one thing i forgot to say as well just to end with of course we've uh, we had the uh fa cup semi-final draw it's a it's another wembley appearance against palace Mm. the beagles it's the not going Beagles. to be easy, that one. That's not going to be an easy game. It's not. No. It's going to be a toughie, isn't it? It is. They're but... missing their best player. Well, Connor. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but I'm be... sure they're, they're bound to ask, can we have, please, can we have permission to You're play You're sanctioned. We should be able to play him for reasons of sport and integrity. Here we go. <laughs> That's he it. is a big loss for them, though. I mean, that is that, yeah, I mean, that is. is true. He is a big loss for them. He's been so good this season. Um, but it's not going to be an easy game. They, they seem to be a, a team in reasonable form at the moment. So, you know, they absolutely smashed Everton last night. So. Yeah, they Four did. Nil. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, let's not talk about Everton. because just, just speaking of Palace, though, I do, I do like Palace. And um, did, you see what pa- did you see what Parrish said about Tuchel after... Yeah, and, and I thought it was nice that another owner of a Premier League club came out, not in support of Chelsea as much, but um, he just, and he, I retweeted it, and he, he had that clip of Tuchel talking after the game where he was like, oh, um, yeah, I'll drive the bus if we have to and stuff. And he just said, oh, um, what a credit this guy is. You know, Chelsea are going through so much as a club. And he wasn't critical of, you know, crit, um, you know being 
having a criticism of the club. He was just sort of stating the facts, right? And so, but he was speaking very glowingly about Tuchel, which I know is easy for go because a lot of people are doing it. And it's easy to talk about Tuchel in that way. But I just thought for him to come out and do that, I thought yeah. it was just sort of like a, a classy turn from a guy who had left. You know, cause he, he could have gone in and like a lot of people gone in Steve Gibson style on Chelsea saying, oh, Chelsea don't deserve him. But he would flipped it and was like, he's a credit to Chelsea. And I was for us a nice classy thing for him to do. So I, I do like Palace and I do like Parish. Yeah. Uh, no, I've, I've got a lot of time for him. I think he's one of the more amenable um, people in football. I really do. Um, and he, and his hairdo looks like the wig that that Tory MP wears. Yeah. Well, that's, that's also, for, maybe we could get Andy one. <laughs> Just, we'll get Andy a Steve I think you Parrish need one, wig. Kerry. Get out of it. Look at this. It's 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 all there, mate. It's all there. Right. You've been look, Maury's wigs, hurricane tested. Hey, anyway, look, you you are the widow in the widow's peak, Gary. Um, you know, I mean yours is going so far. I'm gonna back. make Jackie a widow. What? That's that's a little bit you know bit dark, Gary, bit dark. Yeah, that's really quite dark. <laughs> it's a bit wrong, really. Um right, well look, we're gonna leave this house of wrongness. Um thank you as always to Andy. Um I'm not sure I'm gonna thank Gary. Um so... just threatened to kill you. Yeah, he's just literally, <laughs> literally threatened You're to You're lucky kill me. you got a doctor sitting in front of you. Uh, oh, dear. Yeah, well, he's not here right now. Um, yeah, we won't be here next week unless if you see us, you know something's happened. Um, we will be there if something happens. If not, we will see you in a couple of weeks. Um, until then, keep the blue flag flying high. Come on, you chills. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.